Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this week's episode of 90 Degrees, how to watch film like a pro, which team is worse than their stats say, and is there any hope for a Bryce Young turnaround? That and more on today's episode of 90 Degrees. Welcome to the 90 Degrees podcast, where we take an inside look into the football sports betting industry. My guest today is Ted Wynn. You probably are familiar with his work on Twitter. He's always posting about game film, staff writer for The Athletic, co-host of the State of the Nation podcast. Ted, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Ted, I wanted to know, like, what was your introduction to football? Do you remember how old you were when you got into it? Uh, you know, my, my family were, they were all Niner fans when I was growing up. We're from the Bay area. So, you know, we, they would always catch the games and, uh, you know, it was Steve Young and Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens. And, um, I kind of rebelled. I, I, uh, I became a Raiders fan because I liked their colors and, uh, my, you know, my family were, were all cheering for the Niners and I would just, you know, sneak off and watch the Raiders games. And then, um, I, I played football, uh, I played a little bit of football, peewee football in middle school. And then I played high school ball. And I coached high school ball for for a while, and then um, yeah, now I'm now I'm writing about it. I wanna, I actually want to talk to you about the coaching aspect. But what did you play when you first started? What positions? Uh, when I first started, um, I was a receiver, um, and then they moved me to quarterback, and I, I played quarterback ever since. Were you a dual threat quarterback? I mean, we, we were an option offense, so we we oh. barely threw the ball. Yeah, we we, we threw the ball maybe three times four times game we were so it was a i was like another running back basically yeah i was uh not only did i play right guard like richie incognito i also played with his mean streak and would yes would i would take every i would take every play after the whistle i'd push the line and would get several warnings throughout the game what do you love about the sport of football i i love it for like so many reasons i think it's 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 like physical chess every play you get a you know, an offensive play gets drawn up and a defensive play and you're trying to beat a tendency and it's situational. Like I love the strategy that goes into it. Whereas like basketball and hockey at times is just free flowing reactionary stuff. And football is very, uh, as much as the action is important, the, the play calling and everything like that is also super important. Yeah. I mean, it's super tactical because every position is so different. You know, it's not like basketball where, yeah, you know, a center and guard are different, but at the same time, they're all playing the same sport. You know, Uh, football is almost like you're playing a different sport. You you know, if you're an O-lineman, defensive lineman, you know, you have a different physical skill set and different techniques and different goals. And then, you know, if you're a receiver, defensive back, you have different goals, but then you all mesh that together. And, you know, you play another team and the start and stop component of it, you know, it makes it so that basically every snap is a whole different strategy. You know, and it, that, that's what makes it so fascinating to me. And um, it, it's the most complicated game in the world, I think. And, um, you know, I think that's why so many people love it. Yeah, I'm with you. I um, I watched um, uh, Friday Night Lights, the movie and the TV show. 
And after watching the TV show, I swear I was going to move to Texas and become a high school football coach. I'm very impressionable. I love the idea of like coaching uh, people and, and uh, uh, that are learning the sport, especially at that age group. They don't, uh, you know, by the time they get to the pros or college, they understand the rules. You're, you're still teaching them how to play each position as well as, uh, you know, how to optimally uh, perform in a game. What, were, what attracted you to being a high school football coach? Um, you know, I know I knew I wasn't good enough to play college and I still wanted to be involved in the game. So uh, my high school coach actually asked me to come back and, and help out a little bit. Uh, and that's where it all started. Do you, does that uh, flame still burn for you or, or is that uh, in a past life? No, definitely. Um, but it just coaching takes so much time. Like all these high school coaches are so underpaid uh, when it comes to how much time they put in and some of them don't even get paid, you know, and like sometimes you could put in, you know, a 40 hour work week and at the end of the season, the full season, you get like a, you know, $2,000, $3,000 stipend, you know? So it's like, yeah. it, it's difficult, you know, like I, I love doing it and I, you know, it's not, you when you do it, it's not even for the money, but it just takes so much time. And, uh, you know, when you work in my job where we have deadlines and we have to pay attention to everything, it, it's hard to uh, put that much time into it. Sure. Uh, I remember when I decided to go to journalism school, uh, broadcasting for radio, um, I wanted to be around sports, uh, knew I was never going to have a career playing in sports. So I said, how can how can I still be involved in that world? When do you decide you want to get into the world of journalism? Do you decide at a young age? Do you do you discover it later in life? Um, you know, I, it was always something that I was interested in, but. Um, I just never saw an avenue towards reaching that goal. I was an English major in college, but um, I don't know. I just never saw a pathway to doing it. I just always thought it was so impossible because, you know, there's uh, so many people want to talk about football. So many people want to do this that I, I just thought it'd be impossible. So, but I just started a blog I was doing just for fun and um, the blog got more and more popular. And then, uh, you know, before I knew it, uh, the athletic, I mean, it, I mean, I say before I knew it, but it, it was like a couple of years of uh, just writing for very minimal pay, you know, and just w trying to work my way through the industry. And then um, the athletic called me one day and uh, asked me to do a contract job with them. And I, I took that job and then it became a, a full time job after a while. Once upon a time, being a sports writer was like the glory days, right? Like uh, 80s, 90s, you could get away with just writing for a newspaper and you can make a really good living. And now they preach, you know, you got to be multiple. You got to do uh, podcasts and you got to do appearances. Uh, do you uh, prefer the writing aspect and then see the media as, you know, additional or, or something that you have to do? Or do you actually like the on-camera stuff uh, and, the, and the writing is just also part of it? Um, I mean, I love the writing part of it. I, I think I don't think I'll ever give that up. But um, I think today you have to be multifaceted. You know, you have to be able to do radio. You have to be able to do podcasts. You have to be able to do TV stints if, you know, if you get that opportunity. Um, and, you know, I think when I first started, I was um, pretty bad at doing anything live. You know, I would just get so nervous and just, you know, especially my first few radio appearances on like my favorite radio station, all of a sudden they're calling and asking me to, to come on, you know? Um, but after a while, after like many reps, you know, I, I feel like I'm not great yet, but I feel like I've gotten more comfortable. So I think if you want to be in this profession, you have to be able to do uh, multiple things and, uh, 
just be versatile. You know, they uh, taught us in broadcasting school, you got to lose your fandom a little bit when you uh, become a journalist. Uh, you were a Raiders fan growing up. You do a podcast that talks about the Raiders. Do you, uh, do you find that it hinders you or are you still capable of being a fan and still doing a great job as a broadcaster? Um, I think, you you know, people have to know that even if you do go that fan route, it's, I think it is a little harder. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's easier in a sense that you will be able to connect to the fan base very quickly because yeah. there's other fans that are going to want to hear from you from a fan perspective that's just a little, you know, more uh, put together, I, I suppose. Uh, but it, it, it limits you. There's a ceiling to that because people aren't really going to um, take you seriously as a ser- as a serious journalist. You know, they're always saying I think you have that fan angle, mm-hmm. and you know, unless you could separate yourself from that fan angle and show that you're objective, then there's going to be a ce- there's going to be a ceiling when you, if you if you do decide to take that that angle towards the um, the media. I want to talk to you about Pinnacle. They're the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds, your trusted sports book. Bet smart, bet Pinnacle. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Not available in the U.S. Now back to the show. Yeah, I, I follow uh, for each team, you know, four or five beat writers and some of the beat reporters, some of them are fans. Some go the other way, like they will purposely rile up the fan base by maybe taking the most, uh, uh, you know, pessimistic look at current state of affairs. And then there's the ones that you could tell are just straight nuts and bolts. Here's the here's the facts. I'll leave uh, I'll leave a lot of my opinion out of it. Uh, I got, uh, uh, you know, I've, I found your account because you post clips of film. I love seeing it. Guys like, you know, Benjamin Solak, Robert Mays, Nate Tice. Uh, I, I, I admire people who watch film and break it down and give people an inside look. How much film are you watching on any given day or week? Um, you know, it's a lot more earlier in a week when the, the film comes out. Um, so, you know, Monday morning is when it comes out. So I'm just trying to watch as much as I can on Monday, Monday and Tuesday are pretty much like, you know, no free time type of days where I'm watching film, I'm trying to write, you know, and I'm, I'm doing, you know, radio appearances and, and all that stuff. So it's a mix. You know, I, I don't know exactly how to separate my film watching time with my writing and all of the duties that, you know, the job has. Uh, but I, I would say Monday and Tuesday is just like, you know, from morning to 2 a.m. or whatever, whenever it's all done. Yeah, and Monday is my day as well to catch up on the games that I haven't watched. Uh, but I'm not watching all 22 in specifics. I'm looking more so for game flow and maybe some things that are not captured by the stats at the end of the day. Uh, I One of the most fascinating podcasts I ever heard was uh, someone describing what a scout does on their, you know, weekly on their weekly duties and you know anybody who is an aspiring uh scout could listen to that and get a better idea what they do for those that want to become uh you know film watchers you wrote a great article article a few years ago um about what what to go about uh, how what to look for i just wanted to articulate some of those points for those who haven't read it i do recommend it and if this is the first time that uh, you're hearing this. Um, somebody who wants to to watch film, you you describe it as there's different levels, uh, and, and you have to progress through the, each level to get to get to the final level where you actually know exactly what you're looking for. 
Yeah, that, that, so I actually was a uh, I was a high school teacher for a little bit, and that's probably my teacher side of me coming out, you know, assigning a level or a grade or uh, a syllabus to this, uh, as you will. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought, you know, it'd be fun to kind of have fans assess themselves on their knowledge, which is why I, I put a level tiered. But you know, for that article, I just gathered a bunch of questions and things that I see that people get wrong very often. And I just try to, you know, put it all together in an article, um, one article that encompasses it all. Uh, Carson Palmer talked to me and, you know, I got some interesting information from him, talked to a bunch of other um, good guys around the league and um, was able to put together that article. And it's to this date still one of my uh, most popular articles. And I find people are still going back to it, you know, in the beginning of the year when they want to get a little refresher mm-hmm. on um, some of the basics about football. Well, one of the points was quarterbacks aren't always looking off defenders. What do you mean by that? So, you know, I think whenever somebody sees a quarterback looking one way and then looking the other way, um, people kind of assume, oh, he's looking off the defender. He's just trying to move that defender to the left. And that does happen. A lot of the good quarterbacks know how to manipulate defenders. But, I mean, there are also quarterbacks that are just simply going through their reads. You know, they're going from read one to read two to read three and a good play uh, would progress in a manner where, you know, if this guy's not open, then that means that defender maybe moved over there. So this receiver is going to be open. Uh, so that's all I mean by it. It's not, you know, a uh, quarterback's not always trying to move a defender. He he might be just looking at his, going through his uh, normal progression. Yeah. One, one of my favorite things when watching young quarterbacks and like, uh, I don't need gaudy stats in year one. I need to see certain things that you do well, that will translate to the next level. I like a quarterback that's young, that will take some shots down the field. I think if they become too conservative too early in their career, they never grow out of it. And they put a limitation to what they do. Whereas I don't mind that Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions in year one, because he, that's your year to make mistakes and to learn. I want to know that when pressure comes, does he just immediately look to tuck and run or is he still hanging in the pocket, looking through reads and seeing who else he can get the ball off of? Even if he doesn't have success, I can find some traits that I think are translatable. Um, You set a point of what to look for post snap. We all follow the ball, right? When we're watching the TV broadcast and they force us that way. What are you looking for uh, once you see the snap? Well, you know, we can't always see what's happening in the secondary because uh, the broadcast angle is always zoomed in toward the quarterback. And, you know, my point against that was always you're missing half the story, you know, because half the story is a quarterback. The other half of the story is what's happening in the secondary, which is why I love Amazon Prime Vision so much, because they give you that option to watch the All-22 on Thursday Night Football. Um, so, um, sorry, what was the question again? Yeah, like, what are you looking for post-snap? So, like, Sometimes I will look at the trench play and how often the uh, someone wins the trench battle. I will also watch the ball, but and then then I'm also watching the receiver in the corner battle. There's like three different aspects of what I'm looking for post snap. I was wondering what your process is. What are you looking for post snap? Yeah, uh, post. If I'm able to see the secondary, I want to see what the safeties are doing. You know, it, the, the quarterbacks always mostly always looking at what the weak safety is doing because there's so many teams that disguise now and they're just lining up too high and they're shifting into the coverages. So the weak side safety usually tells you the story of uh, what the coverage is. But if I don't see the secondary, which is um, most of the time, unless you're watching all 22, then I'm watching a combination of the offensive line and quarterback. I'm trying to have a soft focus on both to see what they're doing. Because if you see the offensive line firing off into the um, – into the second level and then you know it's pretty much a run 
if they're kind of playing a little softer, then you you know it might be play action or or a pass. Are you also looking at uh, like formations and tendencies out of the formations? Like, uh, you know, the old Pittsburgh Steelers, when X running back is in the backfield, it's a pass versus a run. Are you looking for teams that telegraph uh, their stuff or, or, or is that not something that you're looking at? Uh, sometimes. I mean, if you know that there could be a, um, a get, you know, a tell coming into the game, then I might be looking for it. And if you just happen to find it, then I'll look, you know, I'll look at it moving forward. But it's not something that I'm actively looking for. I think that's pretty difficult to do unless you know you're you're watching the, the all twenty two or you're um, I don't know even a, a level above uh, if you're like an actual scout that is trained to watch for those things. Hey, yeah. the easiest way to improve as a sports better is use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like BetStamp. BetStamp compares odds across every sports book for games futures and player props save time and money by checking bet stamp before you bet download the app today if you're looking to sign up for a new sportsbook account please check out the offers available at betstamp.app backslash circles off or hit the link in the description if you sign up through this page it helps support the show now back to the episode yeah or if you have data of like uh players on the field and, and what the play was a runner pass um what's something that you thought think that the stats don't accurately capture when you watch your film when when you watch film um something the stats don't accurately capture uh i mean quarterback percentage completion percentage is uh one of those things you know just because a quarterback has a high completion percentage doesn't mean he's playing well or it doesn't mean he's, he's accurate he might just be checking the ball down a lot taking a lot of safe throws um, so, you know, I think that's one stat that I don't really like, um, people using too much when it comes to, uh, evaluating, evaluating a quarterback. Yeah. For myself, I like to look at, did they leave a better play on the board? You know, there's the open guy underneath, but if you're just looking at the second level, there was a better play. There was a, an opportunity for an explosive. I look for that. And I also look for, uh, mistakes or a blunder to justify explosives. Whereas, you know, a well drawn up explosives, one thing, but a guy slipping and getting cooked and, you know, your team gets cooked. I might not weigh that, weigh them down uh, as much just because, you know, sometimes it's just a freak thing. You just lose your footing. Um, is there a team whose film is a lot better than their record this year? Mm, I mean, when you're looking, let's see a team that's filmed a lot better than their record. Mm. or the opposite a team whose film is worse than their record i have one and i wanted to run it by you all right why don't, why don't you go first and then you know I'll, I'll try to think of one i think the detroit lions film is is worse than their record and um especially there's three games that stand out to me of like you know the kansas city game where obviously we know the receivers dropped a lot of balls against them so they weren't punished for poor coverage but it happened in the Tampa game as well, where they lost 20, when they won 20 to six, like Baker Mayfield had Trey Palmer open for three wide open touchdowns, could not hit him for the life of him. Now that's a Baker thing. He, he will often airmail open guys, but I also saw it in the, uh, in the game. Yeah. Uh, I, and I also saw it in the Vegas game. Like if Jimmy G can just throw one ball to Devonte Adams, you know, there's a different, so there's a team who, not that their stats are great. I just think, I don't think their defense and their secondary is as improved as uh, the stats right now tell us because 
I think they just haven't been punished yet, except for the one time they played a team that could punish them and Baltimore ran it up on them. And I saw and I saw some warts there, whereas the next time Detroit plays a true powerhouse team that with an accurate quarterback, maybe like the Chargers, uh, maybe uh, leaving guys wide open, they'll get punished for it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think their offense is really good, but I think their defense hit or miss because they're very aggressive. So, um, and I wrote about this actually before the Ravens game. I, I predicted the Ravens would uh, win. Um, I, you know, I didn't think it was going to be that bad, but I thought they were going to win the game and, and score some points just because. So did I. So did I. Yeah, just because the Lions' defense, they're extremely aggressive. Their linebackers are flying up to against the run. Uh, so they're susceptible against play action. Obviously, they're playing tight coverage, and you know that works against some of the, the bad teams. But you know, against a good receiver like Devontae Adams, you know they might slip behind you, and a better quarterback or a better offensive line might be able to hold up and and hit one of those throws. So I agree with you. I think the Lions' defense is not as good as as their numbers show. Yeah. I think their offense is pretty damn good though. Yeah, I, I, so he's one of my favorite play callers. I'm also spoiled. Uh, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan and. I uh, particularly like our offensive play caller. Is there an offensive play caller uh, that you uh, really are a fan of? Like you watch it and you smile a little. You're like, I really enjoy what this guy does. Yeah, Shane Steichen. You know, and um, it, it goes back to um, the, the offense he put together uh, for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. You know, I just thought there's so many good, clever plays, and they just have such a good way of taking advantage of their players' strengths and not really asking them to do what they aren't good at. And they're still kind of running this uh, copy of Shane Steichen's offense. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, they're not quite as good as they were last year because you don't have Shane Steichen. But, you know, I, I do think Brian Johnson's a good coach. I just think Shane Steichen's on, a, on another level. And you see what he did with the Colts when Anthony Richardson was healthy. You know, you see what he's doing. He's able to do with Gardner and Minshew. I mean, it's not a bad offense. You know, they are... They put up over well. thirty, yeah. They put up over thirty points against the Cleveland Browns. You know, the best defense, uh, historically good defense before that game. So um, he's like a very, very good play caller. And once he gets more tools to work with, you know, I think the Colts are going to be a, a pretty dangerous offense for a long time. What about defensively? Uh, I know I, I I hear a lot of people really gushing about how Mike McDonald is calling defense in Baltimore. Is there a defensive play caller that you are really enjoying their work right now? Um, yeah, like Mike McDonald is awesome. Um, I, I did a breakdown of his defense this week. Lou, you know, big Lou from uh, Cincinnati always, you know, he, he's not, he doesn't have as much talent as other guys have uh, on their defense, but he always just finds a way to give opposing quarterbacks trouble, you know, with his play calling, with just taking away certain things they'd like to do. Um, and, and Jim Schwartz, obviously he's doing an amazing job with the, the, the Cleveland Browns. So, I think there's a lot of good defensive play callers this year, and it's one of the reasons why we're seeing um, offenses not score as many points as we've seen in the past. I promise this isn't because I'm a Dolphins fan, but I I have always liked how Brian Flores calls defense. And I remember uh, preseason, we're all discussing, you know, range of outcomes for a team's offensive or defensive, uh, you know, abilities and Minnesota, like on paper, it wasn't the best defense from a talent perspective. So we said, you know, their floor is they're a bad defense and their ceiling is like below average, maybe average. And Brian Flores has them playing at their ceiling and he doesn't hide what he does. He draw, he dials up blitz more than anyone. I still remember 
the game a couple years ago against the Ravens on Thursday night football, where we went zero blitz 57 times against Lamar Jackson. I really like uh, Brian Flores, how he sends different different blitzes to confuse people. It's not just an outright wink Martindale, just send the house. I think Brian Flores disguises it better. I think he he blitzes his corners better, and he's he's a defensive play caller that I still admire. Yeah, I, I love the uh, Brian Flores hire for the Vikings because it's so different than what everybody else is doing. And, he, you know, like you said, it's not just all engage eight blitzing everyone type of there's like very smart mechanics in these blitzes that uh, make it hard to pass on. And um, he's surpassed my expectations for what I thought he would do this season. Cause I thought they would be a boom or bust type of defense. And that would be very good for them based on their talent level. And I think it's better to be a boom or bust defense than just simply a defense that sits back and gets picked apart. Uh, but they've, they're a legitimately good defense. I mean, they're not elite or anything, but they're a good defense that teams have trouble against. Um, you, uh, work in football and like, uh, football at times can feel like it's a 365 day news cycle. Although, you know, that month and a half after the draft and before training camps seems to be everybody's downtime. When is your downtime? Uh, do you plan it in the off season? Uh, usually after the draft? Yeah, I think after the draft, you do get a little bit of downtime. But, it, I mean, the, the thing is, it, it's difficult to find stories to write about. I mean, I mean, it's not difficult because, there's, you know, there's always something to write about, always something people are interested in. But it, it's just a little bit more uh, difficult to, to find interesting things to continue to talk and write about during the offseason. Uh, but, you, yeah, you do have that downtime after the draft. And it's not immediately after the draft. There's still people that want to know about who their, their team's picked. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have a little bit of downtime until uh, training camp starts again or um, OTAs. And then, then before you know it, you're back in the flow of things. Yeah. Uh, in radio, uh, our time was like Christmas, government shut down. It was for the most, right? So you save a couple like uh, evergreen topics and you stash them for those winter months when you need it. So maybe you have some article ideas that you're like, okay, that's a, that's going to be a June story because it's going to be a little bit tough to write. And you almost have to create your own news uh, article as opposed to, you know, a hot piece of news that you can react to. Uh, do you watch college during the season or do you just watch tape during draft season? Um, I, I watch college, but just more for fun, uh, during the season because, you know, Saturday is the one day that I do get to relax and chill and I, I don't want to spend that whole day. I mean, I, I would easily, you know, just watch football, but I think it's better for my life and the people in my life if I, uh, do something other than watch football. So, you know, if I'll, I'll catch a game here and there, if it's a big matchup, you know, like last week, USC and Washington was fun. Um, but uh, I'm not, you know, glued to my TV. On, on saturday yeah saturday is actually my lightest day of the week right it's 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 you know there there's nothing much more to react to maybe the final injury report of the monday night football game and guys who are on the fence and maybe a couple guys that don't travel with the team but for the most part the injury reports are done you've watched your film you've crunched your data and you're just like all right saturday is a little bit of downtime what are you looking for when watching prospects i know what i'm looking for because i don't actively watch college football I am uh, aware uh, of who the guys are because I follow and I listen, you know, on the athletic and I, and I follow Dane Brugler stuff and I, I always want to uh, be up to date with who to watch. But then I can then go into each position and watch uh, film on each guy. What are you watching for? Um, 
and yeah, that's another reason why I don't watch a ton of college football during the weeks because you know if you're doing scouting work, you end up watching those games like three, four times. You know, when you're during draft season again, anyways. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, you're, you know, you're not gonna miss much because you're gonna watch it again. But when I am watching prospects, I think um, the important thing is to figure out what kind of player is this player. I mean, you know, you have different position groups like wide receivers, but within that position group, there's different archetypes of uh, positions too. I mean, you have, a, you know, your big ball winner, you have your small uh, slot receiver, you know, you have guys that are kind of in between. Um, so you have to figure out what type of player this, this player is. You have to figure out, does he do the th- things that help him win consistently and mm-hmm. will it translate to uh, the next level? So, you know, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. And obviously, you know, you want to find those high end traits and you want to, you want to figure out if those high end traits will, um, will translate into the league. Yeah. Um, I love, I love watching cornerbacks, um, at, at, uh, watching their tape. Like I was all over Tariq Woolen and Zion McCollum last year. First of all, they had uh, athletic traits that popped off, off the, off the paper, but I wanted to see, uh, if it was translatable. Um, I like, I was adamant that CJ Stroud was QB one in this, in this draft. I just remember everybody getting wowed by Anthony Richardson at the combine. And then you watch them throw and Stroud didn't have a misplaced ball. He was just so pinpoint accurate. Um, you know, Carolina and, you know, people who watch Bryce young against the Chicago bears, a defense that pretty much everyone has picked apart. And Bryce had one really good throw that you, that you chart and you say, wow, and it's starting to look a little bleak. Um, I want to ask you, why has CJ Stroud been so much better uh, than Bryce Young? And why hasn't Bryce Young's college success translated to the pros yet? Yeah, I, I mean, with CJ Stroud, obviously, you, you know, his accuracy was so, you know, he just jumped off the tape. Like every throw was on target, you know, ball placement on the money, on time. And I'll be honest, I like CJ Stroud. I thought he had a very high, you know, I thought uh, he had a very high floor. I, I questioned his ceiling. Yeah, everyone said uh, Kirk Cousins was the ceiling, and I and I kept bashing my head. I'm like, no, man, he's so accurate, and like accuracy is the most trans transferable thing to the pros. Outside of Josh Allen, who was inaccurate in college, usually you need to be accurate in college to translate. But I never, I I, I disagreed with the ceiling. But sorry to interrupt you. Oh, good. No, I mean, I, I, I saw more Dak Prescott. You know, I saw more Dak Prescott, but more accurate, which is, um, you know, Dak did kind of struggle with um, off-target throws, it, you know, early in his career. He's much better at it now. Uh, but uh, I, I saw more of a Dak Prescott, you know, good arm, but not elite. Not that you need an elite arm, but it's fun to have. Um, good mobility. Um, I just didn't – there wasn't enough of a, play, a sample of playmaking for me. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, you know, he hasn't really needed to be a playmaker because he's been so remarkably, um, he's translated. So the way he's picked up the pro game and picked up pro coverages and be able to manipulate pro coverages, it, it, it's pretty amazing. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a young quarterback pick all this up so quickly and be able to translate it on the field. It, it's pretty amazing. And I don't really think that. We'll see many guys do this. I think this is kind of like a once in a generation type of uh, rookie season from him because he's not relying on his athleticism. He's just, you know, he obviously the, the tight window throws, the accuracy is there, 
but he's playing he's playing a position like a veteran quarterback and you know who knows exactly where that ceiling is but i mean you know even bc if that ceiling is that tampa bay buccaneers game where he threw five touchdowns that's pretty pretty damn high so uh, i'm just very impressed by the way he picked up the game and i don't think any even the 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 biggest cj stroud um proponent maybe you did but you know it, i i think the way he's picked up the game was pretty amazing and and almost unpredictable you know what flashed for me was because everybody says i never saw the athletic and wow stuff i'm like yeah the the georgia, the georgia game the georgia game is the answer right that was the first time we said oh my god he has everything and he can do things with his feet and he didn't he didn't he chose not to and, and obviously when you have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and then Marvin Harrison, you know, maybe sitting in the pocket and throwing it is the optimal way to play the position. But there, he flashed it once in the Georgia game and I said, wait a minute, there's something more there. And that's why I thought the ceiling was a little bit higher. Let's talk about Bryce Young. Uh, is it a cheap cop out to just say it's the size because it's glaring like th there's times especially in the Colts game where he's throwing balls directly to Colts defenders. And I'm like, did he see that guy? Um, why is Bryce Young struggled? And are, do you still, what's your level of optimism on Bryce Young becoming a guy? Yeah, I mean, I I did not have Bryce. Anthony Richardson was my number one guy. But mm. um, when I watch Bryce Young, you know, obviously he has all those processing traits. And it's all true. You know, the way he sees the game, the way he, uh, quickly reacts to certain things the defense does at a very high level. And I don't think that suddenly turned off when he came to the NFL. But, I mean, it's just hard to judge him right now just because of how bad that Panthers um, offense is. They can't run the ball. They can't pass protect. They can't separate. Uh, but, like you said, it's very obvious that he is not a even baseline level athlete in the NFL. I mean, he, hmm. he he's quick enough to get away from guys, but he's not going to rip through an arm tackle. He's not going to make a spectacular uh, throw with all arm talent. You know, it's just not there. That's not the guy you drafted. So I think there's still hope for him. You know, I think um, you want to see him take kind of that to, to a path. I think it's fair to say that he's not ever going to be a guy that elevates your offense and makes you um, – better but he's a guy that if you surround him with talent i think you know he'll be able to operate at a high level and um that's not a bad thing because i think there's only there's only you know maybe 10 you know 12 guys that could really elevate an offense and obviously you want the number one pick to be one of those guys but i just doubt bryce young is one of those guys at this point but i still think that he has you know a bright future if you are able to surround him uh, with with talent, and I you know I see a lot of similar traits between uh, him and Tua. All right, that's an interesting comparable. We'll 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 track it. And you know they they attempted to put an offense around him. They signed Hayden Hurst and Chark and Thielen and Miles Sanders, but it's not a, like those guys were kind of on the downslope of their career. It was it was a bit odd of an off season approach. Whereas maybe they would have been better putting in resources into one really good weapon uh to surround him with as opposed to two or three you know next level tier even though Thielen's having a bit of a bounce back season but Ted I appreciate your time man I really enjoyed talking football with you no problem thanks for having me on that's it for me another edition of 90 degrees is in the books I want to thank my guest Ted Wynn staff writer for The Athletic 
the sponsors of this podcast, Pinnacle and Betstamp, and my producer, Jason Cooper. Thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Before you go, like the content, subscribe, share, and comment. We'll be back next week with another guest on the 90 Degrees podcast where we give an inside look into the sports betting industry. That's it for me. Hope you enjoyed. Until next time.